I'd like to call the September 25th, 2023 regular meeting of the Shoreline City Council to order. Will you please join me in the flag salute? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Will the clerk please call the roll? Mayor Scully. Present. Deputy Mayor Robertson. Here. Councilmember Ramsdale. Present. Councilmember Mark. Present. Councilmember McConnell. Here. Councilmember Poby. Present. Councilmember Roberts. Here. All right, next up is approval of the agenda. Are there any changes to the proposed agenda? Seeing none, the agenda is adopted unanimously. Next up is the report of the city manager, Mr. Ellington. Good evening, Council. We have added the draft arborist report and tree impact memo to the North 175th Street Corridor Project webpage at shorelinewa.gov forward slash 175 corridor. The draft report is based on 60% design. After receiving this report, we requested that our consultant do a further evaluation to identify additional opportunities to preserve trees. That work is outlined in the tree impact memo. The tree impact numbers in these reports are not final. As we continue to work to refine the design for this project, we will carefully look at ways to adapt the project to preserve trees in this corridor. Seattle Public Utilities has put out a call for everyone in the region to voluntarily reduce their water consumption as water levels in our reservoirs are lower than average. Our extremely dry summer has led to a drawdown on mountain reservoirs. While there's plenty of rain in the forecast this week, the larger fall forecast is for drier than normal conditions. You can help by taking shorter or fewer showers, making sure to only wash full loads of dishes and laundry, stopping watering your, your, your lawn, and fixing any water leaks, especially running toilets. For more tips, visit savewater.org. And a couple of reminders, our artist and re residence, Salome MC, has put out a call for residents to participate in her experimental documentary, either on or off camera. Join her at the Art Cottage at Richmond Beach Saltwater Park to add your version to the documentary through the medium of your choosing. All ages are welcome. And to learn more and to see upcoming dates, at um, look to shorelinewa.gov forward slash calendar. Our ground floor commercial survey has already received almost 600 responses. We want to make sure that all Shoreline residents and business owners have the opportunity to provide their input. So please visit engage.shorelinewa.gov forward slash ground floor and take a few minutes to tell us about other areas where ground floor commercial has worked well and what you'd like to see in Shoreline. And finally, the PRCS Tree Board will meet on Thursday, September 28th in room 303 and online via Zoom. The agenda and information on how to participate are available on the city's web calendar. And that concludes the city manager's report. Thank you, Mr. Ellington. Next up is council reports. Are there any council reports? Councilmember Pogge. Thank you, Mayor. Last Saturday, I was at the Shoreline Music uh, Summit held at London Bridge. And I think it is it's a moment where musicians in the city and around the city come together to learn about the resources that the city of Shoreline has. And this was funded by the city of Shoreline, part of Seattle. 
Uh, I want to encourage all council members to attend next year. I'll send the invite out, especially if you're if you're into music. Thank you. Any other council reports? Right, I attended the Raya Eight Salmon Recovery Council meeting. It is not the most uplifting experience, and this year, unfortunately, is no different. Salmon counts are back. Sockeye is down at the locks, although both King and Pink were up, um, which is good. But they're still at about ten percent of what we need for a sustainable fishery in Lake Washington. And worse than that, what they're finding is, even when the numbers are up at the locks, that doesn't necessarily translate into higher return to the spawning grounds. So a lot of the focus now is on looking at why salmon aren't making it when they make it through the locks, looking at water temperatures in the ship canal is a big factor, along with, of course, the habitat loss on all the, the rivers and streams that the salmon have traditionally um, spawned on. There's a ton of money right now, um, and we're going to see a lot of projects not in shoreline because we don't have any sort of low-hanging fruit on that, but around the region you should hopefully see a lot of projects um, to restore that habitat and also to eliminate the culverts that uh, impede fish passage to some of their traditional spawning grounds. Any other uh, council reports? Seeing none, next up is public comments. This is an opportunity for members of the public to address us on any items that are on the agenda or of concern. We also have a public hearing as action item 8A. So if the comments relate to the interlocal agreement, folks are welcome to make them now, or you can wait for the separate opportunity later on. Has anyone signed up for general public comment tonight? Yes. All right. Derek Blackwell. And Mr. Blackwell, if you can begin with your name and city of residence, and we're limiting uh, comments to three minutes tonight, whenever you're ready. Hello, um, this is Derek Blackwell. I live nearby the Madeira Project on Linden Avenue. Um, and I'm speaking again about the neighborhood concern for neighborhood uh, traffic hazards with the finished design of the project, which calls for only one driveway connecting to the garage, whereas the other driveway is planned to connect only to a side door for emergencies, but not the garage. Uh, you may recall a year ago I spoke before you and accused two developers of lying to us by repeatedly stating preserving 10% of the trees in the MUR 70 zone was impossible. Uh, I'll stand by that. Uh, it's not impossible. It's more expeditious to say that it is three times in a very short letter insulting everyone's intelligence rather than offering a reasoned explanation. Um, and yes, it would be far more work. Um, I have just a little more sympathy for those developers now. Uh, I'm not really comfortable using that word in the opening of the email I sent to you, um, but after long hours trying to put an appeal together, I have to say that it's damn near impossible. Uh, but I'll offer you reasons for this and hope that some kind of action can still be taken. Of course, uh, said developers won their fight immediately, two days later. Obviously, this was a foregone conclusion. The months of preparation saved shoreline trees put into a plea to save a marginal number of trees went up in smoke. Uh, residents of shoreline are increasingly unhappy and the numbers are growing, now including me. I started my journey with much more hope and goodwill towards city government. I spent an immense amount of time looking into filing an appeal in King County Superior Court, the only alternative offered to citizens of shoreline beyond the two-week comment period for the Madeira project. But not before looking for other alternatives. I found out that the city could have asked for more driveway access to the garage under SEPA without going to court. 
State Lee told us traffic issues need to go through the traffic engineer. Kendra Didinsky was very generous with her time, but made it ultra clear she was not going to help with any part of our neighborhood concern and repeatedly denied that there's a significant enough problem to ask the developer for any changes. Fire Chief Cowan disagrees. He encouraged me to ask for a revised traffic study if we could make that happen. And he said he would be glad to look at it. Okay, that's not going to happen. And as Kendra explained, traffic studies are very limited in their scope. Most of the neighborhood safety concerns are simply not addressed by a traffic study, nor could they be. Okay, so what's the next step? File an appeal. I was prepared to go pro se and pay the filing fee knowing I would likely lose simply to have city staff answerable to specific concerns rather than offering euphemisms and derailing the conversation and hoping maybe some concessions would somehow come out of it. In hindsight, this was a huge mistake. I'll be back next week to explain what happened. Thank you for all you do in these difficult times and thank you for hearing me. Thank you, Mr. Blackwell. Is anyone else signed up for general public comments? No. All right, and there's no one in the audience, so we'll close the public comment period except for the action item. Next up is the consent calendar. Deputy Mayor Robertson. I move approval of the consent calendar. Second. Will the clerk please call the vote? Mayor Scully. Aye. Deputy Mayor Robertson. Aye. Councilmember Mark. Aye. Councilmember McConnell. Aye. Councilmember Roberts. Aye. Councilmember Povey. Aye. And Councilmember Ramsdale. Aye. The consent calendar passes unanimously. Next up is action item 8A which is the public hearing on the interlocal agreement between the town of Woodway, Stomish County, Shoreline, Olympic View, uh, Water and Sewer District. And we're gonna proceed with a staff report followed by the public hearing. And then uh, Ms. King will explain to us whether we're taking a vote at the end of it or not, because I am not quite clear. Good evening, Mayor, Council Members. I'm Margaret King, City Attorney. And what you have before you tonight, as the Mayor pointed out, is a public hearing on the interlocal agreement between Woodway, Snohomish County, City of Shoreline, and Olympic View Water and Sewer regarding the annexation of Point Wells. As you may recall, let's see if we get to the next. In 2019, I can't see an arrow here. Yeah, in the very bottom, if you hover over it. Oh, I see. Bottom left. Is. Thank you. In 2019, Shoreline entered into an interlocal agreement with Woodway that we call the Scylla. And um, Margaret, would you be able to speak sure. into the mic? And that basically um, settled uh, years of litigation between the city of Shoreline and Woodway. And it provided a mechanism where Woodway could annex during a period of time. And if they didn't annex in that period of time, then it turned over to Shoreline. Um, a year later, the legislature adopted um, certain legislation found in RCW 35A 14-296 that actually allowed for a process of annexation by interlocal agreement that did not require the property owner's consent. That legislation requires the county, the annexing city, and in this case, Shoreline and the district that provides services to all agree in order for that annexation to occur. If, none of, if, if the parties cannot come to an agreement, 
then um, Woodway may not use this method of annexation unless all parties agree. The legislation also provides that there has to be a public hearing by every entity. This is our public hearing tonight. Woodway will be having their public hearing on October 2nd, and Snohomish County has its uh, public hearing scheduled for October 4th. Um, this is the same agreement that the council reviewed in August. Um, and as I said, the agreement adds some provisions that were provided in the original 2019 agreement with Woodway. And it um, covers some additional protections for impacts from development. And overall just seeks interjurisdictional coordination between all of the parties. It's staff's recommendation to once again affirm, um, authorize the city manager to execute the interlocal agreement concerning the annexation by Woodway of Point Wells. And I'll take any questions. Um, can you clarify for us what, what our action item will be following the public hearing? Will we be voting to affirm or have we already done that? Correct. All we right. would be voting again to affirm your authorization. All right, so before I get to questions, I'd like to do the public hearing portion of it. Um, I'd like to open the public hearing. This is an opportunity for members of the public to comment on this agenda item only. We're limiting comments to three minutes, and we ask, as usual, that folks begin with their name and city of residence. I believe there's one person signed up in advance. Is that correct? Correct. Tom McCormick has signed up. <clears throat> Mr. McCormick, whenever you're ready. Looks like he's unmuted, but we can't hear. Mr. McCormick, are you there? He's here. It just looks like he's muting and unmuting. Doesn't look like his microphone is working. He's the only one signed up, right? He is, yes. Okay. So, uh, we can try an alternative method through the phone, perhaps? Yeah. Let me send a, an email with that phone number. Mr. McCormick, we're gonna email you phone number for you to just use your cell phone and call in. Well, that's taking pl place. I'm going to go ahead and ask if there are any other individuals who have not signed up but who would like to speak. If there's anyone online who would like to make comments on this item, please either raise your hand if you are on the Zoom interface or plus star nine to raise your hands if you're on the phone. Okay, so he's joined by phone. Come. 
going to unmute. So press star six to unmute yourself. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes, whenever you're ready. Thank you, Council. The Council adopted vision for Point Wells. Excuse me, I'm going, if you could start over, I'm going to have to shut off my um, interface because I'm getting back feed here. Yeah, sure. Okay, I think that's better. Okay. The council adopted vision for Point Wells as first expressed in the 2010 sub-area plan. And most recently in the 2020 amended version is for a modest size urban village residential development at Point Wells, including a restored natural environment, well-designed gathering spaces, waterfront that emphasizes habitat restoration and extensive public access to the Puget Sound, quote unquote. The 2019 deal that the city attorney mentioned reaffirms the urban village vision for Point Wells. Now tonight, as you're considering the draft agreement, please be aware that if it is approved, then the city is basically waiving any objections it has to the annexation and to what's in the agreement. The main thing that concerns me about the agreement is that how it forces the town, and this was a, a county added provision, while it forces the town to adopt flood hazard regulations like the county has to protect person and property, it fails to require the town to protect the environment the way the county does. It fails to require the town to amend its master, shoreline master program to cover the same area as the county does. And one practical consequence, as my emails point out, is that without such amendment, industrial uses may be permitted in most of the area west of the railroad tracks. Now, industrial uses obviously are not residential uses. Industrial uses are contrary to the city's urban village vision. Industrial uses do not assure that Point Wells gets fully cleaned up. Industrial uses do not meet our vision of a well-designed site with public gathering spaces, extensive public access to Puget Sound, and so on. So what I'm asking is you delay a vote tonight on the draft agreement until such time that staff can review whether it's appropriate to amend it, as I have requested, and gives you feedback on the pluses and minuses. It also would give staff time to engage with the town of Woodway on the issue. And hopefully the town will have no objection to such an amendment because after all, Urban Village is its vision as well. Now, let me address one thing on timing. The agreement provides a state law requires that the zoning can't be changed for five years. Uh, and that residential use you know, must be locked in for five years. As we all know, it's gonna take more than a decade to clean up. So that provision pretty much is worthless. So what, what, what I see possibly happening, and I've given you evidence of that in the emails I've sent, is after five years, the town could then amend to allow industrial uses. And it's contemplated in the interlocal that you're considering tonight. It says, quote, a, a possible, quote, change in zoning to allow industrial uses. So this is a real issue. I just don't want to see a shortcut here of no cleaned up site and then either let them resume oil operations and that can be dealt with separately through legal challenges and so on and the city does have standing for that or i don't want them to see a shortcut clean up and then put some industrial uses down there so 
Thank, thank By you, delaying Paul. this for at least a week, we can consider it further. Thank you very much. Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to speak during the public hearing? Either raise your hand or press star nine if you're on the phone. Just give it 10 seconds. Okay. No one has raised their hand. All right, I'm gonna close the public hearing and turn it over to council for questions or comments. Or actually, I apologize, this is an action item, so we usually start with the motion. Deputy Mayor. I move that we affirm the authorization for the city manager to execute the interlocal agreement concerning the annexation of Point Wells by the town of Woodway. Second. All right, motion and a second. Would you like to speak to your motion? <clears throat> um, well, first of all, I guess I want to thank uh, Mr. McCormick for, I guess, your, just your, your dogged persistence on this topic um, and this issue for our community. And um, even, even though I, I don't sense that there is going to be a delay, it's early, I, things could, the conversation could still happen. Um, we do appreciate the emails that have come in. Um, and I'm sure, Margaret, you've had a chance to consider those emails and, and look at them yourself. So I wondered if you had wanted to say anything um, to address some of the concerns that brought up and whether or not we think that Woodway would you know, consider making some of those adjustments, if that's even possible. Uh, thank you, Deputy Mayor. Uh, I did provide some information to the council earlier today, so I hope that you had a chance to look at that. Um, one of them, I think, is public in the packet. The other one, I think, went into a little bit too much of a legal analysis for me to want to um, put it out for the public. But I, I can say that uh, my office doesn't necessarily agree that the changes that Mr. McCormick is seeking would necessarily address the concerns that he has regarding um, continued use, industrial uses, or preclusion for residential use. I think the bottom line issue down there is there is a lot of contamination. There's gonna have to be a cleanup at some point. VSRE has been advocating over the years to just cap the site and not necessarily do a cleanup. It's completely out of our hands as far as what ecology would allow or would not allow down there. But even if it stayed in the county, the most likely um, approach that, that VSRE would take would be um, arguing they have a pre-existing non-conforming use. And that's likely how the industrial use would, would um, pr proceed at this point. It would take five years before Woodway could change the zoning. So for sure, for five years, they cannot rezone as an industrial use. And the agreement basically says that we would be notified ahead of time any comp plan changes or zoning changes, and then we would have the opportunity to be involved in that process. Thank you. Other questions or comments? Councilmember Popey. Yes, I thank you, Mayor. I was just wondering, is this a time bound? Do we have to uh, sign because there's a sign, so we have to get it out there uh, immediately? We don't have to necessarily get it out there immediately. We have to all have a public hearing. 
but we all have to agree to this interlocal in order for Woodway to move forward with the annexation. Is that what your question was? Yes, because I was reading the uh, public hearing. Is that different from what we are doing tonight? Is there is another public hearing going to happen? This is the public hearing. This is it. Okay. And we only had uh, Mr. McCormick um, weighing in. We did get some written comments that I believe was were provided to the council and yeah. put in the record. Thank you. Councilmember uh, Ramsdale. Uh, thank you, Mayor. <coughs> Uh, so you, you mentioned that uh, it would be five years before before Woodway could make any zoning changes. Um, at, at those five years, let's say they did change change the zoning to industrial. Do we have let's say let's say veto um, kind of power over over any kind of a zoning ch change that Woodway would um, propose in that interlocal agreement? Thank you. Thank you. No, we do not have a, a veto over it. We would have. I guess the political process as well as we would argue um, in relation to mitigation and impact so that if we believe that they didn't follow SEPA or they didn't follow the appropriate process, then we would essentially file a Land Use Petition Act appeal and pursue our challenges that way. I have another question. Um, uh, so the other question I have is, um, and this kind of brings me back to when I was young in my 20s, I was, uh, was organizing um, legislation in the Massachusetts State Legislature um, to um, uh, 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 basically to find uh, W.R. Grace, which was the polluter of the Woburn Superfund case that you might have heard of the um, uh, civil action movie um, about uh, the incidents of leukemia as a result of the chem chemical um, um, uh, ke uh, chemicals um, seeping into the groundwater and, and then Woburn and causing uh, 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 unusual amount of leukemia in children. So when I saw that this is going to be an asphalt um, and uh, boat fuel, um, you know, a, f a facility um, and but that we know that groundwater is contaminated, I mean, we know that land is contaminated. I'm kind of concerned about let's if we cap it. How is that going to affect before we throw throw people on that on that land on development? What kind of assurances do we have that that will be a safe place for people to live? You know, if it's not if they're not going to clean if they're not going to be a thorough cleanup, what what kind what 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 uh, uh, what assurances do we have to make sure that that the public interest is being um, uh, protected? Thank you. Thank you. In the state of Washington, we have a couple of uh, acts that, that deal with um, cleanup that is um, this type of a cleanup. And so in its ecology, will make the determination if they've met that standard. Um, we, again, could challenge. We could um, pursue a challenge of, of whatever decision that ecology makes in that regard. Um, but it's really outside of our uh, authority, our, our regulatory authority, with respect to cleanups of, of toxic chemicals. Councilmember Moore. Um, so you, you started us down the path of the uh, pre-existing industrial use in the five years they couldn't change. If in five years they did choose to change, could uh, could they claim that it was still a grandfathered pre-existing condition? 
I'm sorry, if, if five years later they sought to rezone it, would they still argue that they have a pre-existing? Yeah, but the industry, mm -hmm. could the industry say we still, we have a, a pre-existing condition and they rezoned it, could they start again the asphalt plant or something similar? Well, as long as they are successful in asserting that they have a um, legal non-conforming use, subsequent zoning would not impact that existing use. The question would be whether if it got rezoned to allow for that use, if they could expand that use at that time. And I think some of that would depend on the constraints of the site as to where those kind of uses may or may not be allowed. Um, thank you. Um, <laughs> appreciate the answer. I, it's a complicated issue. Um, one of the other questions that was brought up by uh, Mr. McCormick dealt with the shoreline rules and the compliance with the county of Snohomish versus the, uh, what Woodway does. Uh, you've looked at that carefully and your, your opinion as a, through the city manager's office or the city of Shoreline's offices is that that, that part is covered? I would say that I don't necessarily share Mr. McCormick's analysis in that regard. Um, I don't dispute that there are some different standards as far as what the county has in their current regulations and what Woodway does. I think as a practical matter, the area and what it's designated as would still have restrictions on it for uh, residential uses. just from a FEMA flood mapping and regulatory standpoint. So um, I, I understand what Mr. McCormick is saying. It would be um, clearer if they applied the same standards. Um, but again, I don't think another jurisdiction other than the county to some extent and the interlocal as part of the annexation has the authority to force another jurisdiction to adopt something specifically if they don't want to. Thank you. Uh, this is such a confusing issue for a new person coming in that uh, I plan on abstaining tonight just because I don't, I don't understand it fully. But thank you very much for your efforts to explain. Councilor McConnell. Thank you. Um, don't be alarmed, uh, Councilmember Mork. I've been listening to this forever, and it's still very complicated. And I'm not sure I'm going to be supporting this because of my feeling of where is our where are our rights if we we can. I, I, I've had some notes. We have the power of the the power of granting shoreline appeal rights, but it sounds like that doesn't mean anything. Am, am I wrong? I mean by appealing whatever we may disagree on, what power does that give us? Um, I've always said that that project is gonna affect half of the city. Everybody trying to get out to the freeway and doing business on the west side, even if they don't go on the east side, which of course they will. But clearly I'm, you know, as having been in that area for 36, 37 years, I need to at least uh, try to protect that growth from being uh, beyond 
recognition <laughs> for our city. And I, I know we, we are trying to work with Woodway, but at some point I'm very worried or cautious that their goals and our goals will not be the same. So I would like to be more educated on how, how this is going to be a good thing for, for us to support is really, uh, you know, we, we've got, we're going to, we have some traffic controls and things. And that's really our only involvement where we can continue to ask them to honor the traffic um, counts that we, we have worked so hard to, to uh, address for, uh, for, you know, for the traffic not to fail coming out of there and all the way up through those, um, you know, um, through the middle of, a, you know, a lot of residential areas. So thank you. If I could comment on that, that is one thing I think that is pretty clear in the agreement that we've agreed to. Um, Woodway has adopted the same um, zoning and density that City of Shoreline has adopted for that area. And that was a basis for the 2019 agreement um, that both parties agreed to have similar density requirements. Um, also, as part of the interlocal agreement, the county, there's a provision in there that says the county treats the interlocal agreement as a reciprocal agreement so that the county would apply our restrictions on the road as part of a restriction um, for the annexation and the interlocal agreement. Uh, so they would have to try to upzone it again um, if they wanted to do more density than what we've agreed to in the agreement. And we would pursue the same arguments we pursued with the county that they couldn't meet the density requirements because of the environmental um, restrictions on that property. Okay, and I'm aware of that, but it's still, to say that that's our power, it sounds like if they try to wiggle out of it, we're, we're going to wind up in court again, because hopefully whatever council's up here is going to really fight to keep that element of the agreement active, because it's to protect not just West Shoreline, but it's to protect our city from being overrun by, um, you know, community that doesn't belong in our community, but we'll use all of our assets and our roads and really, it, it's not a real wonderful win ever in my book. So, uh, but I thank you for mentioning that. I, I understand that um, from this level, but in my heart, I'm not sure I feel comfortable even now. Um, and just to clarify again, we do have the 2019 agreement in yeah. place. If the council were not to approve this agreement, that agreement would still be in place. The difference would be that the annexation would not occur through this methodology. Then the property would remain in the county until such time as perhaps the property owner chooses to seek annexation by Woodway, if they ever did do that. And then we would just have the 2019 agreement and none of the provisions in this agreement in place. Okay, and it also sounds like that's not a win either, correct? It's kind of what you're, I mean, it's 
almost going backwards. Is it's that a negotiated settlement yeah. that um, the council directed that we try to resolve the ongoing litigation over the area um, with respect to who's going to attempt to annex it. And there were there are a lot of um, roadblocks being put up for shoreline to annex it and continue to be. Yeah, and, and will always be there. And the, the utilities and the town of Woodway have their meetings next week, so it's boom, boom. And I, uh, I want to just feel comfortable with how this is going to go. So if any other council members have some brilliant questions that will help me, thank you. Councilor Roberts. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, just a couple quick questions. First, uh, can you clarify for me what the motion on the floor is right now? As I understand, the motion would be to once again authorize the city manager to execute the interlocal agreement. Okay, thank you. Um, and just to clarify, uh, in the staff report and others, we've already, this, this council has already adopted this agreement. It was adopted on August 14th, correct, of this year? You authorize the city manager to execute it subject to having a public hearing. So it's not a final, it was not a final authorization, but it was subject to having the public hearing and then uh, finalizing that authority. Yeah. And hold on a sec, Ms. Simulchuk, can we turn down Councilmember Roberts' phone a little bit? It's deafening. <laughs> Makes you very authoritative, authoritative council yeah, member, but it's a little, yeah. <laughs> right, please proceed. <laughs> Okay, I mean, the way I read it is that it, we're just reaffirming what this council has already done. We've had, we've now had the public hearing, or once the mayor, I, mean, I guess the mayor has closed the public hearing, so we've we've fulfilled the obligations under the August fourteenth vote. So it seems to me that the the real motion is whether we want to deauthorize the city manager from. You could uh, certainly state it that way, council member. Okay. And just to sort of clarify, many of the provisions that we were talking about were already in the pre-August 14th ILA. So questions around industrial use, around the shoreline. These were elements that were contemplated in the settlement agreement and now also in this agreement. Is that correct? Yes, the issues have always been there around the pre-existing non-conforming use of the industrial use. The difference is that we called out some of that in this agreement to specifically address mitigation procedures. Yeah, and then the way I read it, Mayor and Council and colleagues, the, I, I see this as actually being more explicit and providing more details into what is going to happen rather than the if this uh, uh, amended ILA were not to pass. So um, I support the will of the council from the 14th. I recognize I was not there for that meeting, but I do not see any rec I don't see any changes um, at this point to move away from our prior position which is to authorize, which it has been to authorize the city manager to execute the agreement. Thank you, Mayor. Any further questions or comments? 
All right, I have a couple. I, I, I too, have been trying to learn this for a long time, 12 years, I think. Um, and I, I'm not going to pretend to totally understand it, but as I understand this issue, we don't have any power anyway. I mean, this is, it's never been a case where we have been able to just say, here's what's going to happen there. So right now, this was a deal we made in 2019. We're asking, we're being asked to affirm that and allow Woodway to annex it with some conditions in place. Mr. McCormick has raised questions about whether we might have, essentially whether we might have overlooked a few things and whether we should renegotiate with Woodway to get more guarantees in there. My concern is this, right now we are vulnerable if Snohomish County decides to make changes and the developer decides to file for a permit. If we hang this up, if we say we're not doing it, we're not gonna sign the ILA, we're then still vulnerable to Snohomish County as long as that lasts. At no point do we have the ability to just say no. We have the ability to lobby and we have the ability to sue. And what we've previously said, we could still say, which is it has a disproportionate impact on us. If you grant this particular type of development project, it will impact us. Therefore, you have to mediate that through SEPA or whatever other means we can use. If we say no, the power then goes to either Snohomish County or arguably to the developer, because if the developer works out a deal with Woodway, that's another way to get annexation. And we have no stake in that. And there, I mean, I'm not, you know, I have absolute faith in our fellow governmental bodies, but the argument any rational developer would make would be, hey, look, we're going to give you a lot of stuff. You're going to get a lot of tax benefits. All you got to do is change your code. And yeah, Shoreline has some problems, but you don't. Why wouldn't you do that, right? That's not a dynamic we want. And so what we've been trying to do is mitigate that as much as possible. Mr. McCormick is a phenomenally detailed person. I don't think he's wrong, but the concerns he's raised don't rise to the level for me of creating a new doubt that this is the best possible reasonable way out of a bad situation. For example, having an industrial use there, a widespread industrial use, either ongoing oil and gas or there's a call center proposed or not proposed, but bandied about that kind of stuff might happen. But there's no guarantee that it will, and that's certainly not teed up now. We have five years for that to sort itself out. And under the circumstances, I'm not inclined to, to impede what is already in process and what I expect to, to, to sail through. So I'm voting in favor of this, um, but I, I, we've been having these conversations since I've been on here, and this is hard, and there is no right answer, and everyone's questions are totally valid. And again, in a different set of circumstances, I think we would be looking at different ways forward, but we're not the strong player here, and so I'm going to be voting in favor of it. Councilmember. I was waiting for you to say something because you always help me understand a lot of the legal things that also, you know, Mar Margaret also does the same thing, but you're on the dais with me. So there's a level of trust here that, uh, not trust. That, that, okay, thank you. <laughs> she, she's not leaving. Um, As your lawyer council member, you're about to get into trouble. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but she'll, 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 give me the, she'll give me the look and then I'll know that take the, take the, finger off my mic. Um, so I will be supporting that because, like you said, we really don't have a lot of leverage. And uh, um, at some point, we, you know, relationships have, are, are all we have to go on with working, continue to work with Woodway so they don't cut a big deal somewhere else and, and then just, you know, Thumb, thumb their nose at us, which I don't think they will, but um, we, we definitely want to continue some relationship where we will not um, harm our own 
city. So with that in mind, and again, we can always come back if things don't make me happy. Uh, so I will be supporting this. Um, thank you very much, Mayor, for your comments. Any other questions? Councilmember Moore. Uh, thank you, Councilmember McConnell and Councilmember or Mayor Scully for explaining to me that you feel that um, based on it, this is clearly a previous councils have spent much more time and understand this much better than I do, but that clearly you feel we are safer with this than we are without. And that is your opinion, Ms. King. I think it gives us some specific things and a contract to um, utilize if, if things were breached or if we had a problem that we wouldn't otherwise have. Okay. Thank you. That's what I needed to hear because it's, I, I, it's beyond me. <laughs> Thank you. Any further? Councilmember Remsel. Um, uh, I'm very torn um, with this just because it, it really lacks um, the reassurances that the environmental impact and the environmental cleanup will be adequate um, to my satisfa satisfaction. Um, uh, I, I will support it, but with reservation. Um, that that I would like to see some stronger language in in terms of environmental cleanup. Um, I don't know enough. I'm not an uh, environmentalist. I don't know like the how effective capping is versus like full cleanup. But um, from from the way the mayor explained it, it sounds like that it gives us the most the most amount of leverage, even though it doesn't sound like it's very much um, moving forward. All right, thank you. Further comments? Go ahead. Yeah, Margaret, can you? Can you reassure Councilmember Ramsdale and myself that there will be no way that environmental cleanup can be um, avoided? Because that is, I mean, the, what's been going on there is definitely an environmental cleanup project, no matter whether you put houses or continue to do whatever they've been doing. So thank you. Thank you, Councilmember McConnell. What I can assure you is that there is nothing in the agreement where we said that we would um, agree that they had sole authority over the cleanup. We haven't given up any that we would otherwise have in challenging any kind of a cleanup down there. We just did not negotiate some level of cleanup that I don't believe really could have been negotiated because frankly it's the property owner that has to be involved with the state agencies regarding the cleanup and the state agencies will be the ones making that recommendation. Again, we can always challenge that if we get to that point, but um, that's quite a ways down the road, I believe. All right, any further questions or comments? Will the clerk please call the vote? Yes. Councilmember Mork. Aye. Councilmember Popey? Nay. Councilmember Roberts? Aye. Mayor Scully? Aye. Deputy Mayor Robertson? Aye. Councilmember Ramsdale? Aye. Councilmember McConnell? Aye. All right, the motion to affirm passes six to one. Next up on the agenda is. Thank you, Margaret. 
Yeah, thank you, Ms. King. Study item 9A, which is a continued discussion of the 2024 to 29, uh, 2029 uh, PROSA plan. And I believe Mr. Bilbo and uh, Ms. Wolpeck John will be presenting. Ms. Reedy, I did it again. Good evening, Council. My name is Jacob Bilbo. I am the Prozoplan Project Manager of the City of Shoreline. With me is Mary Reedy, the Recreation, Cultural, and Community Services Director with the City of Shoreline. Um, our technical consultant, Tom Beckwith, with Beckwith Consulting, um, was un unable to join us tonight, so it's just Mary and I. So um, we are really excited to be here to provide you with the um, status of our Prozoplan to date. So here's a quick look at our agenda for tonight. Um, the three things that we would like to discuss and bring attention to are the property acquisition and development framework that staff has been working on, our guiding principles, and our strategic action initiatives. Um, these were all included in the staff report along with um, our community needs maps. Um, those are not in the slide deck. We aren't necessarily going to revisit those tonight, but we wanted staff to see the progress that we've made on them um, to date. Um, before I move on, I'd like to address a question that Councilmember Mork sent to staff earlier today. Um, if I understand correctly, you wanted some more clarification on how we are accounting for population density in our maps. Um, so the simple answer is that we have a um, residential zoning map that's included, so that's on attachment A, I believe it's page three, unfortunately I didn't number them. Um, but it's a PROZA 2024 high density residential zoning map. So all of the high density areas are associated um, with these zones. These are all single family residences. And that is overlaid with the social inequity ratings as well. So does that help answer the question? Yes. Don't understand it, hope you all answer it. Okay. <laughs> Let's remember microphones. Don't understand it, hope you all describe more. Thank you. Okay. It, it, sure. Um, good evening, Mary Reedy. Thank you for having us here this evening. If you don't mind, I can jump in. Uh, so, what we discussed with council at a previous discussion with the community needs maps was we had a composite social equity or inequity map that would show based on five different metrics where we felt empirically based would be higher needs in the community. In addition, our consultants has worked with our planning department and gotten all the different proposed and current zoning and overlaid that over the needs map. So as we go through tonight, and kind of talk about different ways that of this framework that we're developing to help kind of utilize it as a tools for council moving forward with property acquisition and development. This is one of the layers that could be added in, that could be thought about, especially as we talk about little pocket parks and things like that. So it's definitely a dynamic framework 
because we will be updating these throughout, you know, probably halfway through the plan. All the community needs maps will get updated as we purchase more properties and as more things come online and things like that. So um, they are dynamic maps, but currently this is exactly where we stand with our high density, high density zoning and what it looks like right now in shoreline with zoning. And it's, it is overlaid with the, the inequity mapping. The last thing I'd want to do is interrupt your presentation. When we get there, I'm going to ask more well, questions. That's <laughs> fabulous. We happy to answer every and all question. We aren't going to be reviewing the maps individually tonight. No, I that's However, totally we will be yeah. going through the framework, and this is part of that for sure. So thank feel you. Feel free to interrupt at any time. Thank you. As always. All right. All right, so moving on, um, this is just an overview of our timeline for the remainder of the project and the year. Um, after our presentation to council tonight, we'll be going to the Parks Board on February on, on Thursday, this Thursday, um, to also provide them with an update and give them any feedback that council provides us tonight. Um, that will then wrap up this stage of the proposal plan. We will move into the final stage, which is drafting the document. Um, we are going to go to the tree board, to the planning commission, and council several more times to review those documents and hopefully adopt it in December, the end of the year. Um, we are not necessarily going over the goals and policies again tonight. Again, these are pretty much finalized, uh, but we wanted to remind council of the process the lengthy process that staff went through to develop these. Um, these are what will be included in the comp plan and are aligned with our strategic action initiatives, which we will be going through in more detail later. Um, so at our last dinner meeting with council and the parks board, um, we discussed several tools that could be used uh, to help inform council in their property acquisition and development decisions. Um, one of them was the possibility of using a checklist. Um, the second was some sort of ranking system or scoring method that could be considered. And finally, we looked at the possibility of what we were calling guiding principles. Um, the takeaway and direction that we received at that meeting was to move forward with our guiding principles. So that's what we've done, and we're going to be moving to that next. Um, but staff wanted to think of other, other items or other tools that could also help in this decision process. Obviously, the community needs maps are very important, a very strong tool. Um, but it's also important to consider funding sources, um, how much money is available when making these decisions as well. So we've included a funding model. Um, which is also called out in SAI, or Strategic Action Initiative 1, and the staff will be working on in the next few years that will help inform these decisions. Um, but all three of these together, guiding principles, community needs maps, and this funding model, are what we are um, calling the property acquisition development and decision framework. So staff worked very closely with the Parks Board to come up with these guiding principles. So thank you to them for all their um, help and effort in this. Um, 
these are meant to reflect the values of the city that should be visited anytime one of these decisions is being made. Um, so I'll go through them rather quickly. Um, the first is serve the community. Uh, second is practice due diligence, not only in this plan, but in any plan that the city is working on. Uh, third is apply a decision-making framework for purchasing, developing, and maintaining parks properties. Fourth is foster environmental stewardship. And finally, be proactive. And with that, we will move on to the strategic action initiatives and I'll hand it over to Mary. Thank you. So as Jacob mentioned, the goals and policies that we've reviewed with council as well as the parks board and made the revisions on in the past have been included in the comprehensive plan, but kind of a parallel process to the PROSA plan. So um, they weren't as integrated as you will see in this coming iteration of the PROS plan. They are, we are adopting them as the overall goals of the PROS plan, PROSA plan. And then the strategic action initiatives you'll see as I walk you through are all somehow linked to one of advancing one of the goals that are included in the comprehensive plan. You will also see something different this time is that we call out specific objectives within certain strategic action initiatives, which we didn't do in the last PROSA plan. Uh, last PROSA plan was our first time doing strategic action initiatives and calling it out with that type of framework. So we're learning, we're getting more refined as we go. And I ask for uh, your understanding of that as well as we move through this because it is not an exact science and it isn't perfect at this point and we will we do have plans on as i mentioned about halfway through updating the maps and revisiting and refining some of the guiding principles from the first three years of the plan being implemented in the use and so that is part of what we plan on doing as we move through this new framework So as Jacob mentioned, the first, and these aren't necessarily ordered, however, would love council feedback if you would like them ordered in a sort of um, value or priority-based order. Right now, we just have them as all equally based and focused for staff. So create and implement an equitable framework to ensure park acquisitions and development that meet the needs of the entire community. As Jacob mentioned, this is part of this whole framework. He showed the graphic of objective one speaks to work we've somewhat always already done, but will continue to refine through this process. Objective two is really developing a funding forecasting model that takes into account how much development we plan on, we think and project on having, what that will look like with the park impact fees, what grant cycles are coming up, all those type of different factors of, and what does our capital budget look like outside of that, and trying to look at acquisitions as well as properties that we already have that we haven't developed yet, and what that looks like from a whole forecasting model. We don't have that right now, and um, we really need it. So we plan on having that, or proposing to have that full model vetted and implemented by 2027 with that budget process. 
the second and and as you can see on the far right and i won't go through all the goals that they actually support these SAIs, but it is called out and we have them listed on the right-hand side there that are included in the comprehensive plan. Uh, provide parks in areas of high inequity and low to no walkability to a park. Council gave us strong feedback on this to call out some specific parks and specific numbers at a bare minimum. So you'll see objective one, acquire, develop, and or enhance no less than three parks in the areas listed or as identified in upcoming updated community needs mapping. So we do call out some that are already identified as high inequity areas, so not equitably served through our park system. And that's at a bare minimum, those. Uh, objective two, provide enhance or improve green space and walking trails based on NRPA metric framework in underserved areas based on community needs assessments. NRPA no longer has standards. They have moved away from that as of this year because they fully recognize the nuances and differences within each community. And so they don't call out standards. If in the past our former pros plans called out NRPA standards as something to aspire to, um, they no longer set those. SAI number three, increase, increase equitable access to both programs and facilities. And there's three objectives with that. One of which is completing the ADA assessment and implementation plan by 2026. Explore options for increasing physical access to both indoor and outdoor programs, play and recreation, especially during winter months. We heard from our community that access to outdoor facilities in the winter months, um, there's only two tennis courts that are lit and you have to pay to have the soccer fields lit. Uh, and increase physical and, ec physical and economic access to recreation and cultural services programming. Uh, you can see again on the right hand side the goals that those support. Number four, continue to pursue opportunities to provide access to aquatic and recreation facilities for residents. This is a continued strategic action initiative from our current plan provide all residents access to an aquatic facility is the objective there. Uh, I don't think I need to say much more about that one. Number five, continue to maintain and improve the condition of current park resources. So this is something that we also heard from our community in the engagement is that take care of what you have, not just keep building more. So provide a framework to review and update condition assessment, long-term operating and capital plan for existing parks and assets with the goal of providing high quality park facilities for all by 2025 and establish and adopt a minimum park amenity framework. That objective two came from parks board very specifically and that has yet to be determined how that will be defined. We've had some conversations, preliminary conversations with them, but that is work yet to be done after the adoption of this plan. Proposed strategic action initiative number six is sustain and expand urban forest tree canopy with the objective, first objective being to implement the urban forest strategic plan goals that I know council is going to be in discussions about forthcoming and 20 year forest management plan and identify and plan for adequate staff and resources to ex execute urban forestry goals. So those are our two 
cited objectives. These, again, don't include work plan goals or specific ways of getting there. These are high-level goals to expand and sustain our urban forestry canopy. Number seven, enhance health and safety for all park and facility users. We heard also from the community that safety in the parks, um, whether that be physical safety or psychological safety, was in our facilities and our parks was of high, high importance to them and uh, was a, of great concern. So conduct ongoing SEPTED, which is crime prevention through environmental design assessments within a system-wide data-based structure and develop improvement action lists which inform the CIP budgeting and enhancing the health and safety for park and facility users. And we say data-based structure there so that it is not just the parks that get the squeaky wheel or the ones that have the most active community members, but we really look at C-click fix, phone calls in, all the different data sources we have, um, whether it be playground, assessment reports, that type of thing of what, which parks need the most and which are, are of our highest concern. So it is um, more equitably distributed and like I said, not just the most active neighborhoods having those reviews. Number eight is public art is included in the city's placemaking efforts through planning processes and economic development. As you recall, the past plans did not have public art in. That's why this is a prosa plan and not prose. Uh, this is similar to one of the current public art plan goals. So we did review the current public art plan. We took the community input and we reviewed this. We have a arts, public art, and cultural services subcommittee of the park board. And so they really sat with these and went through them with staff as well. And the first objective is encourage public-private partnerships which integrate and support art in the community and develop programs that feed into and support the greater shoreline creative economy. Number nine, offer programs that reflect the unique interests of the community and neighborhoods they serve. So this is somewhat of the mapping we've talked about and really looking at it at a detailed level and some of those individual layers I think that some of the council members asked how we would be using in the future and this is some of that. So develop a community needs mapping and community engagement input framework for biennial analysis which guides program and event service delivery. So looking at different community needs map of where are their younger people, where are their older people, where do they speak a language other than English in the home and really trying to figure out where and how to deliver the best services and programs to them based on those. SAI number 10, enhanced community engagement utilizing an equity lens. This is very similar to a current SAI that was very vague, very hard to wrap your, to, to quantify and to figure out how you're moving the needle on. So Park Board was very instrumental in helping us come up with some objectives around this as well. So increased demographic representation in community input opportunities and develop guidelines for community engagement for park recreation and public art planning to provide engagement opportunities for all residents, revisiting and updating guidelines annually for continuous improvement. So that is in line with, I think, what a lot of other 
departments in the city are doing as well with their planning documents and planning processes that we started, I think, kicked it off with the PROSA plan um, last year when we started trying to do our outreach and an engagement in multiple, multiple different languages, going to the people where they're at as opposed to inviting them to a public forum here in council chambers as the only option. And then number 11, increase community access to public art and cultural events through expanding and strengthening our art collections and programming, assess and modify physical locations of public art to provide equitable access throughout the city. You will see that one of the layers of the maps, we do have public art. It's pretty obvious that one side of the city is very well served with public art and the other side not so much. So. Um, this is stuff that will drive where and how we place and deliver public art services. And support, reflect, and integrate the city's commitment to anti-racism, equity, and inclusion through public art collections and cultural services programs. <coughs> and those are our proposed strategic action initiatives, and I would love to hear and get feedback from Council. All right, questions from council, and I see Councilmember Roberts' hand up. Thank you, Mayor, and thank you for this this work. I'm it's, I'm very excited to see all the development of the Marks Plan. I'm I, I, there's a lot of good things here, and I think that at the one when, when when we get to the point of adopting the PROSA plan, I think that we can all be very happy with the plan and even happier once we see the results uh, implementation of the plan. I do have one question um, and that is involving the guiding principles for park acquisition and development and how they overlap with the essay, with the uh, PROSA plan goals. I look at these guiding principles, I think they're very clear in terms of what the, what we're expecting. And then I'm trying to look at this in terms of the overall uh, PROSA plan goals, and I don't quite see how they align. So we talk in the PROSA plan goals, we talk that there's a specific goal around uh, protecting our urban forest. But I, I like this line of fostering environmental stewardship so much better. So can you sort of, I know there's, there's, I recognize that they are, the guiding principles for acquisition development are different than the personal plan goals, but can you explain to me how they are supposed to be integrated and how, why they're not using the same language at this moment? Thank you, Councilmember Roberts. So in concept, the guiding principles, as you noted, are for, were developed for acquisition and development framework for, to inform those type of decisions. The goals are to, to inform all our decisions and everything moving forward. So this is a little bit more distilled down and I appreciate the language not being in full alignment and we can look at that and use the same terminology um, in many places. They are supposed to be, in theory, complementary 
This is all new work we're doing, and I fully acknowledge that, both using the goals as the pros of goals, as well as these new principles. Uh, really emphasizing that these principles are for property acquisition and development only, and the other goals are for everything, recreation and cultural services, um, all the other, the other questions and work that goes around parks and recreation, urban forest work, all those that the strategic action initiatives that don't have anything to do with purchasing property, that's what the higher goals are supposed to be helping guide and inform. I don't know if that answered your question. I understand what your answer. I yeah. think that I would, ideally I'd like to see these more, the guiding principles more in alignment. And I think there's many ways where the guiding principles are clearer than the proposed goals, uh, even though they are similar in terms of outcome. I mean, again, I'm looking at sort of specifically about the uh, maintain and acquire built natural resources. I think that fostering environmental stewardship is what we is really a much clearer and much more direct goal than what the sort of verbiage in the proposed PROSA plan. Again, even though I recognize that they are very similar. And if we're talking about the guiding principles for acquisition and development, currently um, looks like there's somewhere around 90 or so properties which are up for sale in Shoreline right now. How and when, do we have a sense of how and when a property might be sort of put through this matrix to determine if it is a, might be a good fit? Are all properties that go up for sale going to be evaluated or only in those neighborhoods where we have already identified a need are we going to take looks take a look at whether the those properties that are currently for sale might be might fit within our acquisition development guide thank you councilmember roberts i do think that some of that funding forecasting model will help determine how many properties um, and how we prioritize and uh, what council prioritizes of where they want to, if it's where you want to give property to an underserved community or develop a property that we bought five years ago that hasn't been developed yet. Um, it's, it's not an exact science, it's conversations and I think currently we pay attention to properties that come on the market. We have some structure internally, but not adopted through a plan on, we actually started using the maps this summer as properties became available to make sure that we were trying to do things in a thoughtful data-driven way, as opposed to, oh, that looks like a nice parcel, even though it's a nice parcel in an over in a community that's well served already, so um, I. No, I'm just, I guess I'm just right, wondering if all if any property that goes up for sale in, in the in the market would likely be evaluated under these under the, our guidelines, I, staff, or staff, are we going to really just prioritize particular neighborhoods, or before even the guiding principles get 
come into play? I think staff do the first vetting before they would bring anything to council to consider. I don't know if Nick. Well, I'm not talking about the council being doing part of the vetting process, or at least initially. I'm just wondering if there's a parcel that comes up in down the street, if that's because that's in a higher served neighborhood that may, is, are we even going to notice that that parcel is up for sale without recognizing maybe there's anything unique about it? Uh, does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. Uh, thank you, Councilmember Roberts, Nick Bohr, Park Fleet Facilities Manager. Um, to speak to this more clearly, we, we do monitor. Um, we might not catch everything, but we are actively monitoring, seeing what goes up for sale um, within the city. Um, we take the current pros of plan with which we're under right now and look at that and see where, where that guides us. And we're using the new model and the, the equity maps and that to make these decisions. Um, and we've come to you several times recently with uh, things that fit in with that, you know, basically all that. So we actively monitor that. Do we catch everything? We might not. I don't know. No, no, that's fair. I don't think we expect us to catch everything. Yeah. But uh, nice to know that every good, the city is monitoring what is coming up for sale and then deciding at sort of at least an initial basis whether it warrants a second look. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you, Mayor. Deputy Mayor Robertson. I want to thank Councilmember Roberts because that last question kind of um, some things came into just clarity in my own brain. Uh, just with that question about like looking at properties for sale in Shoreline and trying to figure out how they make their way to us. I mean, maybe it's obvious, but. Um, so let me say what I'm thinking here. I, I love that we're going with the guiding principles. I, I appreciate the principles. I like the direction that we're going because we have, yes, we, yes, we know that equity is a critical piece of developing our park system. Um, but we also have these occasions where something incredible that is unpredictable uh, drops the like drops in our lap, right? So my question has always been not like should we prioritize this neighborhood over this one? Of course, but what do you do when a great opportunity comes up in a neighborhood that wasn't prioritized? And do you move on that or not? And I think there have been examples in the past of where we haven't and we have regretted it um, down the road. So um, I think this guiding principle structure is actually very, very wise. Uh, I, I now see that staff would, yes, if properties come up for sale in these prioritized neighborhoods, it'll be very intentional about looking um, for those opportunities. And, and it makes sense how certain things have now made their way up to council for consideration. So taking a step back, you know, we all have our own motivators and drivers for why we're up here doing this work and serving. and. Parks, recreation, open spaces is undeniably mine. Um, no secret there. So I have always felt like virtually every property that has been presented to us, yes, let's add it, yes. So it, the harder question for me is when to say no. Uh, when do we move on? Um, and, and so, I don't know, this helps me understand prioritization. 
um, but then leave space open for those opportunities that you just, you really have to consider no matter where they fall in the system. And they are rare, um, but they do come up. So that was my little, one little aside. I do just have a, have a couple of questions about the, um, the strategic actions and initiatives and objectives. Um, so yeah, these are just more specific. First of all, um, looking at number two, and on the subject of setting a goal, a very intentional goal of no less than, no fewer than three additional, are we, is this PROSA plan going to be a six-year cycle? So again, are we giving ourselves six years to try to accomplish those three, or what's the timeline? Correct. Okay. No less than three in the six-year time frame. I, I don't know if we have anybody online anymore, but if you can use the mic, just in case. Yes, no less than three in those neighborhoods in the six-year time frame, and that gives us the longer window because we don't know when properties are going to become available and when they will meet some of those guiding principles in the in the correct way and be a, an appropriate public space lot. Um, just, Mary, something you just said about using, uh, going to number seven, when we were talking about um, number seven, um, <coughs> and using C-click fix. I will admit that I'm not somebody who, who utilizes that, and I wonder how well understood that is by our parks users. So I, I would actually put in a plug for having some kind of signage at our parks entrances and or you know restroom facilities, any structures that say, hey, do you see a problem? Here's the app to report it. I think that might be um, well used and might get us some good feedback. <clears throat> um, number eight, this is a grammatical thing. All the other uh, numbered items are action items. And then we have this kind of like dud, public art is included. So let's just like rework that initial sentence. So include public art in dot, 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 carry on. It's a simple edit. Um, and then just my final, my final question, looking at all of these objectives, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. And um, is that aspirational? or realistic? Both, <laughs> depending on. Mm -hmm. I think a, a good plan has a little bit of a reach to it. Uh, and so this is where we want to be. We didn't achieve everything in our current plan because some things are never ending. Uh, sustaining and expanding the urban forest tree canopy, we have some objectives that are pretty specific, but that's ongoing work as well. So. I'd say yes to both. Some are very realistic. Some we are already working towards because we saw it emerging as a need. And some some will be challenging. I don't know if Nick has some thoughts on that. Yeah, the only thing, that, other thing I'd add is it gives us a plethora of things to look at and work on. And I would just as soon have more things that we can do and not get to all of them and then reprioritize midway through the cycle and see if we want to bump that around, add or remove, and which direction it's going to take us on the next next plan, next iteration, if that makes sense. So just like she's saying, both. Oh. Um, final, just thank you. Um, to quote Councilmember Roberts, yes, I think at the end of this, we're going to have a plan that we are very, very proud of. I am proud of it already. Um, and have immense respect for the process that we go through to put these plans together, the research, the input from our community, from our volunteers. Uh, thank you for everything you do.
Other questions or comments? Some more. Okay. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I too would like to say thank you very much. You clearly have worked really hard. Uh, all the people involved have worked really hard, and I really, you know, I appreciate it. You can really see it coming through the plan. Where uh, I got confused on the high, <laughs> on the population density and the SAIs was in number two. And I couldn't understand, um, so by the Aurora Corridor, what, were you thinking of a park on the corridor? Or I just didn't understand what that meant. Thank you, Councilmember Moore. So we're talking about there, that, that's high density growth area. Um, I don't think we want to put a park directly on the Aurora, but a couple blocks off. Um, and I think maybe we need to, you know, we're not making any more land you know it's running out so yeah we we need to find properties that are in that area just off not on the highway or the other thing i was thinking is when developers come to develop we require them as part of their development to uh, add public space um, open space as far as on that property and actually construct it for us if we can't get the property we can have them do it Thank you. That that's really helpful because I was having a real hard time thinking about uh, park on 99. So thank you very much for for that clarification. Um, that the I am so concerned where with all of this high density housing going in that they have <coughs> a place to go. And looking at the map, which I I. While I'm confused with it, I, I get the general drift of what you're doing. I'm very concerned on making sure that that happens. And Highway 99 is where many of these uh, properties are going. Uh, in particular, they are going there with, um, you know, the former ice arena and, you know, that whole length going down to 192nd. So I was particularly concerned on making sure that something happened um, in that where there's something like 2,500 units uh, going in. And then I saw North Hillwood and I thought, wow, that's not exactly high population density in relationship. But what you're suggesting is that kind of area would be caught in the Aurora corridor as opposed to necessarily saying so, you know, I, I think that I appreciate um, very much you're giving us some ideas on where these would be. I, um, you know, that's, it's always a, a difficulty when you, you provide detail and then people say, oh, that's too much, or you don't provide detail and people say, oh, that's too little. So I, I, I want to give you as open of a hand as I can but to really say I'm really worried about these big apartment, multiple units in a small area that we really focus on that. And it didn't seem like it was either listed in any of the SAIs as a specific thing or in the guiding principles as a specific, specific thing. And that's why I was concerned that we as as a group did something to try to 
emphasize that as an issue. Thank you very much. And we agree 100%. And, and where growth is, we're certainly, that's one of the priorities, one of the many priorities. But, uh, you know, in those areas, it'll rise higher. That's why we call it guiding principles, because depending on where you are in the city, that could change what really, what, what decision makers, you know, drives your decisions. So there you go. I, I just would ask that you, you may want to consider mentioning it somewhere. Okay. I, I didn't see it anywhere here. How it's mentioned isn't overt. It is as a one of the community needs maps. It is one of the community needs maps. And so when those are mentioned, those include all the walkability, the high density, the social inequity, the heat stress. That's another one that's not called out specific. Mm -hmm. And another in the um, actual guiding principles that are proposed, the practice due diligence also says if they were called out in these community needs maps and other adopted city planning documents, PROSA, CAP, um, COMP plan, anything like that. So if we see high density and the need for more parks in the comprehensive plan, that's an adopted plan. That's one of the guiding principles that we, we would go, our due diligence would be to always go and reflect upon current adopted plans as well and see where the needs are there. Again, I appreciate what you're saying. There's a lot of specific mention for public art, and it just seemed like we had a gap there. So just wanted you to know where I'm coming from. I want to make sure that that is a priority and that it would be nice if it appeared somewhere along with all the other ones that you've said. All the guiding principles are, are or the maps. <laughs> you know, are, are important. The reason why they, you selected them is because they're important. So I appreciate that. The other question I had dealt with on neighborhood views. So, um, and I'm, when I say neighborhood, I'm not interested in the people on the specific street or the specific block, but the whole neighborhood and, and perhaps adjoining neighborhoods. Are, is How does that fit into the, these goals and these SAIs? Is there a place for it? I'm not sure I understand the question. Uh, if the neighbor, if the neighborhood says, "What? What do you mean you're going to put a park next to the interurban trail? We, we are. That's not where we're interested in." Do they have a place to talk about that, or, or? And I picked that up just as an example. That's I don't want to make it sound like that's uh, something I know of. It's just, is is there a a place for people to to not again not the not on the micro but in the macro to provide input in, to the plan and say with the limited funding and I love your addition of the funding element is there a place for the public to um, ex express their thoughts so in the community engagement in the plan development we had quite a bit of community engagement in telling us their feelings on what type of park they wanted. We heard loud and clear, and you'll see in the draft document, people want more community parks, things they can walk to, um, not necessarily big regional parks, and that's good because we don't have enough money and land to, to create any more big regional parks. So um, knowing that we did get that feedback already from the community, 
and referencing to the proposed strategic action initiative number 10, which commits us to really doing a very thorough engagement process with our community. We learned, um, I think we're starting that conversation with the Ronald Bogg neighborhood currently and starting those dialogues and learning. And so we are committing to working on that and really prioritizing that community engagement when we purchase a property and think of developing it and what does that look like. Thank you, Ms. Reedy. I, again, I really appreciate the hard work that everybody has done on this. It's a giant step forward. Thank you. Councilmember McConnell. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I think the SAI number two is the one that we all seem to be keen in on. And actually, Councilmember Roberts, uh, when he started talking about it, is exactly what I'm, what I'm thinking that, you know, the pros plan is out there but while it's happening or not happening or being created, there's parcels that are coming up for sale. And when I look at the attachment A's, plural, you, if you start putting one on top of each other, there's some areas that are, clear, for me, clearly like screaming, find something here, you know, at least two or three, and they do match up with your objective uh, one, which you've identified um, the, some of the key areas that are really park, deserts, or um, and then clash with high density and all of that. So I personally want to encourage you to keep looking for those um, things that are up for sale because as uh, you said, we're looking for community parks instead of large regional things like you know Saltwater Park. Uh, one single family lot would provide probably a decent footprint of a community uh, park. So uh, being very involved in real estate, find those single family zoning ones because they're going to be cheaper than MUR 70s. But that's sometimes where we're going to have to go with all that density, uh, particularly around um, those two light rail stations. It's, you know, a good chunk of um, density that you won't be able to find anything cheap to buy for a park outside of that or until you go outside of that rezone that we cleverly did years ago. So uh, so that's what I'm going to encourage you to do, even as we're still formulating this. Um, you know, I don't think we've said no to anything that uh, you brought up to us going, hey, we have, we have a possibility and there's possible grant money. And, and I'm telling you, I'm going to be all over like, yeah, do it, you know, so and I think the, most of the council kind of gets how how clever that is for uh, for the use of our money. So um, and they're not building any more land, and we're having more and more people come in. You know the the amount of buildings that and construction that we're seeing is something we've never seen in our in our city, and we're always going to fall behind on, on uh, open space. So uh, yeah, well, I'm sure you can find some good grant money and. And uh, if not, we'll, you know, council's really good at opening up <laughs> budgets for, for you when those opportunities come, because we, we understand how important that part of the equation is. Thank you. Other questions or comments? Councilman Ramsdell. Surprise, surprise. I'm going to ask you a question about parks. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I, I, there's a couple of the, the issue, uh, points that um, 
I wanted to, to raise one's piggybacking off of Councilmember Mork's uh, question about community engagement. Um, when uh, the city was planning on um, purchasing or thinking about purchasing the Westminster Parks uh, slot, um, uh, uh, Eric Friedley uh, had asked me at that, and I wasn't on council, I was just a community uh, advocate, um, uh, said, hey, I, I, do, I just want to make sure that there's um, uh, uh, you know, support for purchasing a park in the neighborhood. Is that possible? So. Um, I threw up an informal poll on our neighbor Facebook site, and um, 65 yays, two nays. You know, so there was a clearly uh, support for it. So um, it, I'd, it, I'd like to see if that's before we actually acquire parks. If there is, but I mean, and not like the next door neighbors, but like similar to the way we, you know, when we were when we're. Um, going to be developing um, um, when there's going to be a, a permit application for property to have some sort of like notice go out within like 500 feet of the uh, possible acquisition that we like notify you know um, uh, the neighbors hey what do you think about our purchasing this property and then we know we've got like the neighborhoods behind the city and so we can avoid some headaches in the future if that's if that's going to be the case I don't know if that's something that you'd that um, I know that was done in the past. I don't know if that's something that's going to be in, in implemented presently. Thank you for the question and yeah. the comment. Um, yes, and that will be depend on the situation. Okay. In the past, it seemed to work like that. But we have, I mean, lately we've been getting opportunities so quickly. And, yeah, okay. And you know, if you don't snatch them up right now, somebody else does. Um, we're in the midst of negotiations. Mm -hmm. We really can't share that with the public until we have a negotiated sale agreement that's when we'd go out to the public and honestly we can do better at that we just had the purchase at twin ponds and we did not do the best job we could have um, we certainly learned from that and we will improve that process in the future okay. so current situations now do the best we can. Okay, sure. Um, and then the other question I had was like on, on number seven. Um, so I just a few, uh, about a month ago, I started um, commuting to work, and and I and I live on 148th. My office is on 200th, so I take the interurban the whole way from 148th to 200th, and, and so I'm on that road between 7:30 and 8 in the morning, and it's not a pretty sight, you know, like what I what I see, um, like a lot of op open drug use. Um, uh, you know, so I see I see people in the morning between seven thirty and eight, and then between like five and six o'clock, coming back. So um, I'm wondering about uh, will there be any kind of more collaboration in terms of like safety with the police? Um, because I know at one point the police used to do bike patrols up and down the interurban, and um, that I hadn't seen a bike patrol on the interurban in a long time. So I'm just kind of wondering if that's uh, if that's something that's kind of been considered within the as far as like. The, as uh, point number seven is that you know improving safety, feelings of safety for the public. Okay, thanks. Thank you for those yeah. comments, and that's part of the work plan to be devised. That's what these goals are. Pretty high level to look at subted, to look at safety, and then that could be one of the options. I mean, that definitely is a bigger conversation with the chief and funding and things like that that aren't in our control. Mm -hmm. However, we are aware, and that is the feedback we heard from the community as well, that there are certain parks and certain places that don't feel safe, mm -hmm. especially at dawn and dusk time. And so we are aware of that, and we will be developing work plans around that and addressing those as best we can and working with others to try and crowdsource addressing it as best we can as well. Yeah, Echo Lake seemed to be a real hot spot. When I yeah. Was, when I go back there. Um, I do think the new restroom helped a little. 
And Mayor, I can have a conversation with the police chief outside the PROSA plan process okay. regarding this subject. Yeah. Okay, great. And Councilmember Ramsdell, in regards to your first comment as well, including the community is a double-edged sword in a yeah. pre-conversation about a property. Um, we experience, as a lot of people do, some NIMBY, not in my backyard. Um, some people, it's very hard. Change is very hard. Our community is going through enormous change. And that's why we have brought forth to council these guiding principles and the maps and the funding forecasting model that can give some structure and some guidance before we bring it to the community so that we know we're doing our best practice and our due diligence and we can share that conversation with them um, because not everyone wants to have a park across the street from them. Well, that, that's why I was saying not, not like within a few feet, I think more, more in terms of like a larger uh, area. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying within 50 feet, I'm saying you know, like within 500, 500 feet or 1,000 feet, just to like be able to have like the, for, the, for the community, for the neighborhood to really like have, I mean, when I put up the poll for this, this Westminster Triangle thing, it was like all of Westminster Triangle had an opportunity to like, you know, have, have their say. And of course there were a few, the two that were said no, were the next door neighbors to the park. So, I mean, I know that the NIMBY factor is, is uh, an element to be concerned, concerned with. That's why I wanted a walk that was concerned about having like a, a wider kind of focus on um, uh, whether, whether we were going to, to, to kind of try to get some um, uh, community support for, for uh, park acquisition. So, I think we yeah. are going to continue to yeah. move, try and move the needle as best we can on community engagement and a lot of our work that you can see through the SAIs. Okay. All right. Thank you. Councilman Pelley. Thank you. No question. Two comments. First of all, thank you once again. Uh, as I was reading before getting here, what I saw was the use of equity lens throughout the whole um, plan and the initiatives. Aside what uh, my colleagues mentioned, I see this as great moving forward. Secondly, I want to personally thank you again, especially Jacob. Three Saturdays ago, um, I saw him out there on uh, during the Bollinger Family Festival get together because we've been talking about community outreach, and so I was so glad, and I helped him put up a tent, and so. It's not just about the theoretical aspects and the presentations. We want to see the practicalities about the things that we talk about. So I, I was just impressed. And so let's keep up the good work. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. And my only comment is in relation to Councilman Ramsar's comments, because I, I don't want to see us push neighborhood engagement too far. When we've done that in the past, it, we have not gotten the results we hope for. W what we get are folks who live next to the park or folks who don't want more people in the neighborhood or, you know, during pandemic, folks who were just outraged that more people were walking past their house. I, I mean, that's natural human behavior, but what I have seen happen is that the folks who have those responses tend to find like-minded people and what we end up hearing from is a disproportionate to the neighborhood, most of whom want a park. And I think I, I'm fair in saying that none of us wants to live next to a park. Everyone wants to live a block down from a park. And I get that, but you know, and we've heard it just this year in Richmond Beach and then again in Twin Ponds, folks who don't want their private spaces disrupted, and those are not private spaces. So I'm not advocating against public comment. We need to continue to allow it, 
but the sense that we need to somehow reach out and get a neighborhood rallied around a park before we consider it, not a fan of that, because I don't think we're going to hear a representative portion of comments. And I think folks from outside that neighborhood deserve to be able to access the natural resources in the neighborhood as well. I'm looking forward to Westminster Triangle being less of a little island and becoming a place that, you know, when I doorbell there, people don't look out their door and try and figure out who I am because they haven't seen me before. Like, what are you doing here? Um, and that's because, right, there's no reason to be there unless you're there for a purpose. If we've got a park there that accesses the trail, all of a sudden we get folks walking through Westminster Triangle, which is a lovely place to be. And who knows, those residents there might meet some new folks who are kind of exciting. Uh, I, I totally, totally get your, your point, and, and I agree. I, 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 in many ways, I agree with your with your points. Um, we do get a lot of people off the interurban, and um, the uh, a lot of the, the, the and from folks we've never seen before on um, uh, the uh, the large uh, I can't remember the name of it now. Currents Currents apartment building, and then the R forty eight apartment comp that built the complex at the corner of uh, Greenwood and one hundred forty eight. So. A lot of unfamiliar faces, like, and I could see that happening a year ago. It's, I don't think that really applies anymore. But, Fair but okay, all right. Any further questions or comments? Yeah. Thank you all. I mean, this is quite the undertaking, and it is an impressive result. And we're looking forward to seeing uh, the final plan. What's the next step? Next step is we are going to Parks Board with your feedback and guidance, and we'll be reviewing this with them, as well as going a little bit further with some of the plan documents, that big themes, things like that, that are part of the narrative. I, I, I apologize. I meant to ask, when does this come back to us and in oh, what form? Oh, this comes back November 20th? November 20th. Yeah. November 20th. Yeah. November 20th, November 20th in... with a draft. Okay. And looking for, by then we will have given a draft to Planning Commission okay. and to Parks Board. Hopefully Parks Board will be recommending adoption when the draft comes to Council again on November 20th. All right. Thank you very much. We will look forward to seeing you again on November 20th. And we are adjourned. Thank you all.